Welcome everyone to this new episode of Conference Reruns, episode 10. I hope everyone's doing well, and, and if you're not, well, maybe today's episode can help bring you bring you some hope, because after all, that is the purpose of the gospel of Jesus Christ, to fill our lives with hope. Uh, this week's episode is a talk from Elder Uchtdorf's address uh, when he, back when he was President Uchtdorf. Uh, it was given in April 2015, and the talk is called The Gift of Grace. I think grace may be one of the most misunderstood principles in the church. I have heard, I don't know, maybe like half a dozen different definitions for grace. And it seems like uh, for many years, it was a word that was rarely spoken over the pulpit in LDS chapels. Uh, Grace is mentioned in both the Bible and the Book of Mormon. But I think that we have maybe like veered away from using the word frequently, possibly to distinguish uh, ourselves from from other Christians who place an even stronger emphasis on grace than than, than we probably do. Um, I, for one, personally have failed to understand grace for years, and I've also like hesitated to use that word um, in my regular gospel vocabulary. Um, let me share a couple of experiences that might explain a little bit why I have felt this way in the past. So when I was in eighth grade, I went on a school field trip to the county fair. Uh, I was walking around with some of my friends, uh, and we were walking past a row of booths, uh, and, when, and people were like selling stuff. Uh, it was kind of like a, a farmer's market. Uh, and, and there was this one group of people sitting at a booth, and they and they called us over to come and talk to them. So we walked over, and uh, one of the guys there, he asked us if we had been saved. Um, I, I didn't know how to respond. I was, you know, 13 or something. <laughs> and uh, uh, so he handed me a card and asked me to read it. Uh, I read it, and the card said something like, I admit that I am a sinner, and I accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. Um, after reading those, you know, one or two sentences that were on the card, the man told me, you are now saved. Um, I, I, I kind of responded like, wait, that that's it? All I had to do is read a piece of paper, and now I'm saved? Uh, he, he responded that, yes, from that point on, because I had just accepted Jesus as my Savior, regardless of the choices I made moving forward, Jesus had already saved me. Um, even as a young kid, this seemed strange. Uh, I, I like, couldn't believe that I could just go on and live a sinful life, and Jesus would redeem me because I had read a few words on a piece of paper at a county fair. <laughs> Uh, a few years later, when, when I was in high school, one of my good friends, his dad was a Baptist minister, and many of my friends uh, went to that congregation. Um, I, I would sometimes go to youth activities with them, and they were always really nice to me, but they also would regularly ask me why I believed in a works-based religion. Again, like not knowing exactly what that meant, they would tell me that I believed that I had to be baptized uh, and, and do other things in order to be saved, but that doing any sort of works was contrary to what the Bible teaches. They regularly told me that if I would just accept Jesus as my Savior, then I would be saved. But, you know, little did they know that just a few years earlier, I had done that right before I hopped on the Ferris wheel. Um, but you know, and then, and then as time went on, uh, like when I was on my mission again, like people would regularly argue this doctrine with me and, and due to this accumulation of experiences, 
uh, I started to develop a clear misunderstanding of grace, uh, believing that grace and works were at opposition with one another and that I had chosen to be on the side of works. Grace seemed like an evangelical concept uh, and not one that really had a place in the restored gospel. But I am man enough to admit that I was dead wrong. <laughs> now I, I can say that I love the concept of grace and I'm eternally grateful for the grace of Jesus Christ. So what is grace? And does grace require that we do anything or is grace a gift given freely to anyone and everyone who takes Jesus to be their savior? Uh, Elder Uchtdorf uh, talks about grace and, and he says this. Even if we were to serve God with our whole souls, it is not enough, for we would still be unprofitable servants. We cannot earn our way into heaven. The demands of justice stand as a barrier, which we are powerless to overcome on our own. But all is not lost. The grace of God is our great and everlasting hope. Through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the plan of mercy appeases the demands of justice and brings about means unto men that they may have faith unto repentance. Our sins, though they may be as scarlet, can become white as snow. Because our beloved Savior gave himself a ransom for all, an entrance into his everlasting king kingdom is provided unto us. The gate is unlocked. So we need to understand that while we do believe that works are essential to our salvation, and we are here to learn to be Christ-like so that we can feel comfortable living again in God's presence, we can never do enough works to earn our way into heaven. We will never accumulate enough good works points to purchase a ticket into the celestial kingdom. Our salvation and exaltation is only purchased through the blood of Jesus Christ. End of discussion. Uh, like we, we can't emphasize that point enough. It is only in and through the atonement of Jesus Christ that we are saved. So, do we believe in the same kind of grace that other Christians do? Yes, like absolutely. We believe that we are fully dependent on Jesus Christ. I think one of the things that often trips up both LDS members as well as other Christians is the verse in 2 Nephi that says that we are saved by grace after all we can do. This verse could easily be interpreted to mean that we are only saved by grace after we have done our part. We must work our whole lives to reach a point where we have earned the grace. Uh, and, and unfortunately, I think many of us have this idea. Uh, we, we think that we have to like meet and, and fill a certain amount of check boxes or something like that before God will even consider giving us his grace. In regard to this verse from, uh, from 2 Nephi, here's what Elder Uchtdorf shared. However, I wonder if sometimes we misinterpret the phrase, after all we can do. We must understand that after does not, equ does not equal because. We're not saved because of all that we can do. Have any of us done all that we can do? 
Does God wait until we have expended every effort before he will intervene in our lives with his saving grace? Many people feel discouraged because they constantly fall short. They know firsthand that the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. They raise their voices with Nephi in proclaiming, My soul grieveth because of mine iniquities. I'm certain Nephi knew the Savior's grace allows and enables us to overcome sin. This is why Nephi labored so diligently to persuade his children and brethren to believe in Christ and to be reconciled to God. After all, that is what we can do. And that is our task in mortality. Uh, another thought is that when reading this scripture, it may be helpful to know that some, some scholars have even looked at other books that were published around the same time of the Book of Mormon and have found that the word after is, is often used how we would use the word despite. So the verse could be read as, we are saved by grace despite all we can do. Uh, with this way of, of understanding grace, Elder Uchtdorf teaches this essential concept. Salvation cannot be bought with the currency of obedience. It is purchased by the blood of the Son of God. Thinking that we can trade our good works for salvation is like buying a plane ticket and then supposing we own the airline. Or thinking that after paying rent for our home, we now hold title to the entire planet Earth. Okay, so now that we have clearly established that grace is a gift from our Savior and there is nothing that we can do to earn it, why then do we need to be obedient to follow the commandments? Like, what's the point of being baptized or going to the temple? None of these works can save us. So why do we do them? What's the point? Uh, it's easy to see why the line between grace and works can be can, can be a difficult one to straddle. Uh, it, it could appear that we need to choose one or the other. And if we believe in grace, then we must also believe that works are not required. Elder Uchtdorf helps us see the connection between these two concepts. Trying to understand God's gift of grace with all our heart and mind gives us all the more reasons to love and obey our Heavenly Father with meekness and gratitude. As we walk the path of discipleship, it refines us, it improves us, it helps us to become more like him, and it leads us back to his presence. The Spirit of the Lord our God brings about such a mighty change in us that we have no more disposition to do evil, but to do good continually. Therefore, our obedience to God's commandments comes as a natural outgrowth of our endless love and gratitude for the goodness of God. This form of genuine love and gratitude will miraculously merge our works with God's grace. 
Virtue will garnish our thoughts unceasingly, and our confidence will wax strong in the presence of God. Dear brothers and sisters, living the gospel faithfully is not a burden. It is a joyful rehearsal, a preparation for inheriting the grand glory of the eternities. Elder Uchtdorf uses the word rehearsal and says that living the gospel now is a preparation for how we will live in the eternities, uh, which which reminded me of an excellent uh, BYU devotional from Brad Wilcox that I'm sure a lot of you have heard. Uh, he This was given back in, I think, 2011, and he teaches that we are not earning heaven, but learning heaven. Uh, and he compares grace to learning to play the piano. Parents pay for their kids to learn the, um, to, to take piano lessons. The parents, they, they don't do this hoping that their child will be a prodigy and make enough money to pay them back for the lessons. Uh, in fact, parents don't expect any monetary return from their children when they choose to pay for those piano lessons. But then what do the parents expect? Practice. Of course, it's practice. Uh, they feel that their sacrifice is appreciated when the kids spend time practicing the piano. And our relationship with God is similar. He sent his son to earth to die and atone for our sins. He has given this gift to us and does not expect us to make any sort of payment in return for the gift. But he does ask us that we do certain things to show that we love him. We are practicing now for what an eternal life with God would be like. We will practice our entire lives and never do enough, but we are showing God through our continued efforts to keep trying that we love him and that we are grateful for the gift that he has given us. We are not earning heaven, but instead we are here to learn heaven. One of my favorite names of Christ is Redeemer because it brings to mind something that we do almost every day, purchase something. When we redeem something, we gain possession of something by purchasing it. And and Christ has gained possession of us because he has purchased us through his atoning sacrifice. We do not and cannot redeem ourselves. Christ is the only redeemer. Uh, As he closes, Elder Uchtdorf reminds us that today and forevermore, God's grace is available to all whose hearts are broken and whose spirits are contrite. No one has been excluded from Christ's grace. It is available to everyone. As we strive to understand grace and what Jesus Christ has done for us, we should be in awe. We we just we don't deserve this kind of gift. It is incomprehensible to think that such a gift could be made for people as as terrible as we are. But yet he did it. <laughs> it really is something that the mortal mind cannot comprehend. As the hymn says, I stand all amazed at the love Jesus offers me, confused at the grace that so fully he proffers me. I am eternally grateful for the gift of grace, and I hope that each of us will strive to live more Christ-like lives as we express to our God our gratitude for this amazing grace. I hope you all have a wonderful week.